Jews. In other words, the door was meant to keep the Jews on one side and them safe on the other side. But the locked door didn't stop Jesus as he appeared before his disciples and told them, peace be with you. But he didn't do it just once. He did it a second time because, as we know, good old Thomas missed out. And so when he got a chance, when Thomas was with them, he appeared before the disciples a second time behind locked doors. Then this past Sunday, the third Sunday, Jesus again appeared to his disciples, although doors aren't specifically mentioned, but they think he's a ghost and they're afraid and they don't know how he got into the room. It's pretty safe to assume that they've probably done all, but Neil shut the windows and the doors. So I got really excited when I saw that I had John 10 for a reading because in the very beginning of John 10, Jesus describes himself as the door and the good shepherd. And then I got really disappointed because somebody cut out the whole part of the reading and they don't talk about Jesus as the door. And yet Jesus as the door is a part of him also being the shepherd. So even though we didn't have it as a part of the reading today, I make no apologies because I'm going to add it in because I think it makes all the difference in the world to understanding Jesus as both the door and the good shepherd. John 10 verse one begins, Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger will not follow, a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door, and if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. After seeing all these things about doors and shepherds and all this language that Jesus is using, it got me thinking a lot about the doors in our lives. Because we do have a lot of doors in our lives. We have literal doors, don't we? We have the front door of our house, we have our car doors if we have one. We have a bedroom door or an office door. And again, if we have one, we have a garage door. But then we also have metaphorical doors in our lives as well. And by their very nature, doors are a barricade that we spend most of our life on one side of or the other. We have those metaphorical doors that either we have set up or the world has set up or other people have set up for us. We have doors of health, of wealth, religion, even happiness, 
And we have those types of doors that we will do anything, and I mean anything, to get to the other side of. We will walk, we will run, we will charge, we will even attack with a battering ram any door we think that there might be greener pastures on the other side. Sometimes the doors aren't blocked to us. Sometimes the doors are just highly congested. You know those doors that everybody's trying to get through, that promise great success on the other side and greener pastures? There are those doors to success and marriage and family, maybe even in our careers. Everybody is trying to go through them and find the key. We even have self-help guides, DIY for dummies, on how to get through these doors. But there are other doors that just don't open so easily for us. And if we're going to be honest, there are some doors that will even just come and smash our fingers or a big toe while we try to get through them. It's not always easy to get through all the doors in our lives. We have doors in life that are meant to go from one stage to another, whether that be junior or secondary education, from single to married. We have doors in between the stages. Kids and youths are often greeted with this big and solid door of, no, don't do that, don't say that, don't listen to that. Not, of course, that any of you with kids have said that lately in your homes, I'm sure. But you know, we also have those big doors for kids that, you, that says you don't achieve enough. You don't score well enough. I wish in our lives that those doors got better or maybe even more open as we got older. But ask anybody who's been through life for a little bit. And sometimes that's not always the case, but as we get older, we get smarter or should get smarter and sometimes we try to just avoid the doors that are closed to us, or at least maybe not attack them so hard when we realize they're not going to open. Instead, we will open this in truthfulness, and so we open that door of love to somebody that we want to be in our lives, only to find on the other side is someone who is absolutely as clueless as we are. Or we open the doors to success and career and marriage and family. And all those good things only to find, especially in our careers, that on the other side, there are just longer hours, less pay in the grand scheme of things. And if the governments have their way, more taxes. I have my favorite door. I may not look it, but I have my favorite door, the door of health. And everybody will do anything to get healthy and stay healthy. We will try on occasions every experimental drug we can think of. We will try to attack the door of health with protein shakes and vitamins and barbells and running shorts. We will even go at it with high-tech water bottles. But on the other side, we find ourselves arthritic, swollen, maybe a little larger, sometimes even bolder. Sometimes we don't want to open the door. Sometimes we just want to clean them up like the front doors of our lives. We want to take out high pressure power washers and clean it up and maybe do a new paint job on the door. Maybe put a nice wreath on it, particularly at Christmas time. You get rid of those sins that plague our lives. Get rid of all those things 
which we have done, and especially those things we maybe did in college, which we really don't want anybody to know about. We want to put on our best Mrs. Hinch look. Maybe everybody knows that we are the best inner housekeeper of life, only to find out that if they went through the front door of our life, there would be mess and chaos, just like everybody else. There are a lot of doors in life, and yet there's one door that truly does matter, because there's one door that we're all going to find ourselves at, literally on its doorstep. We're going to find ourselves on the doorstep of death. That's very jolly for this Sunday, but it's the truth. That's coming. That's the wages of sin, as St. Paul says in Romans. Like it or not, no matter what doors we try to open, what doors remain shut to us, no matter what we do on this earth and what success or unsuccesses we have, we do end up at that door. It's kind of a great equalizer. And the problem is, we don't have a lot of really good DIY guides on how you proceed once you end up there. Not a lot of people have actually gone through death's door and come back to tell the story. In fact, most of us don't know anybody that has come back to tell us the story. The interesting thing is, Jesus talks about himself as not only the door, but the shepherd. With all the other doors in our lives, it's normally us acting, and we will use every religious key we can think of, batting our eyebrows to God, saying, oh, pretty please, open this door for me. Maybe sometimes that door remains shut, or maybe we'll come at it with the pop psychology lockpicks, thinking positive thoughts, and never letting a negative thought into our minds. Sometimes those doors don't open, but when it comes to death, it doesn't matter what type of key or lockpick we use. We all end up there. So Jesus comes and he says in verse 10 that he came that the sheep might have life and have it abundantly. So here's the game plan. And everybody takes out their notebook and pen and they start writing. Maybe they want to take out the tattoo machine and tattoo the directions that Jesus is giving them onto their skin. This is going to be good stuff, Jesus, because he's going to tell us how to have abundant life. And so as we get ready to start writing it down, he says, I'm the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. Well, that doesn't make sense, Jesus, does it? You lay down your life for your sheep. If you lay down your life, who's going to lead us? Who's going to shepherd us? A shepherd's not supposed to die. He's supposed to help us. How can he do that if he's dead? But that was the game plan all along. Jesus wanted to get himself locked behind the door of death so that he could unlock it from the inside. Jesus' lifeless body is placed in the tomb. The stone is rolled over. The seal is put on it. The guards are put in place. The Jews brush their hands off him and go home for dinner. They think it's all done and over with. And I have to imagine in my head, my little simple mind, that Jesus, even cold and dead as he was, had a little ray smile because this was the plan. And from inside the tomb, he would unlock the door of death and make it the door of life. 
Notice when the women came to the tomb that morning, the tomb was open. It wasn't roll shot with Jesus not in there. They didn't have to try to prove it. The door was open. Revelation talks about Jesus as being the door which nobody can shut. And that's exactly what he is. No one can shut the door of Jesus Christ. And no one can take away that door of death to life. Left on our own as sheep, well, we know we'd struggle. Sheep don't have thumbs. They don't open a lot of doors. But in Jesus, Jesus is the one who knocks and all the doors fall open, especially that door of death. Because in Jesus, even in our last breath, even in the weakest moment of our lives that we can possibly have, even in our last gasping breath on our deathbed, when we know that death is coming and the world would say, that's pretty weak, that's pretty sad, it's a day we also take our first breath of immortality in Jesus Christ because he leads us to green pastures, the green pastures of heaven. He leads us as a good shepherd through the door because he's already gone through it for us. He's already got himself locked behind that door and he's already opened it for you and me. And that, my brothers and sisters, is the good news of the fourth Sunday of Easter.